and welcome to another episode of Chiga Travel. My name is Lelo B and I cannot thank you guys enough for listening and just being so generous with your feedback. It means everything. If you would like to get in touch and suggest topics for the show, please send me an email travel at chika.co.za. In this week's episode, we are going back to the world's most visited region, Europe. That's where 682 million people traveled in the last year. But our main focus for this particular conversation will be Italy. Now, Italy is number five on the list of most visited countries in the world. And last year alone, international tourists spent $44.2 billion, boosting Italy's GDP by 1.5%. Now, these tourists spent an average of 100 euros per per person per day. That is like 1,500, guys. I don't know if if this includes accommodation, but um, I doubt. Uh, So I think also if you're thinking of going to Europe or Italy, don't don't think you can do it on a budget. So most of Italy's tourists apparently come from Germany, followed by France, the UK, and then the United States. So Rome is, of course, the most popular destination, attracting um, almost 27 million of, of these v- v- yearly visitors. Then followed by Milan, Venice, Florence, and Rimini. I've never heard of Rimini. Guess I need to check it out. <laughs> so joining me for this particular discussion is my friend Vida, who was born in Kenya and moved to Italy a few years ago. I met Vida for the first time in November 2014 in Berlin, Germany. And a year after that, she moved to Rome to learn about Italian culture and language. So she will tell you a bit more about why she did that. Vida is currently living in Greece with her hubby and a beautiful one-year-old baby boy. Um, Those of you who follow me on social media would have seen me at her wedding in Italy two years ago. So let's hear what she has to say about Italy, the home to some of the most famous structures in the world, as well as as, um, renowned fashion houses, Armani, Gucci, Versace and Prada. Welcome, Vida, to the Chica Travel Podcast. Thank you, Miss Lelo B. (laughs) (laughs) Or I should call you Hot Mama. (laughs) Hot Mama. (laughs) How is Greece? How is Greece today? Greece is very fine. It's very hot today. It's 36 degrees outside. It's very, very hot. And there's no single wind today. So we're really enjoying the summer. You I are having complain. the best time. I cannot complain because winter is not for me. So I'm enjoying <laughs> this weather. Yeah, it's not for you because you are, you are a girl from Africa. Hey? Yeah, Where it's w- nice yeah and warm. I really suffer this winter. I really suffer. I keep, I keep telling my husband that if we don't formulate something, I'll decide all the winter time I have to be in Africa and then summertime in, <laughs> in Europe because I cannot deal with winter. It's too much for me. I think that would be such a nice life. Well, it's, you're yeah. already living quite a nice I life, know. Vida. That's what I'm working towards. <laughs> <laughs> always be warm, you know? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. just let's take it back to the beginning. So you were born and you grew up in Kenya. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm born and raised in Kenya. I was born in uh, a town in uh, the Great Rift Valley called Transoya. Uh, my mom tells me that uh, we only lived there for one year old. Then after that, she had to move to another town called Siaya. Because my mom is a humanitarian worker. She was a humanitarian Uh worker. So we really moved from town to town. So I just counted yesterday how many towns we moved until I was about 16 years old. We moved to about five five towns. And then finally in Nairobi at the age of 16. So we've always been in the move all the time. I also studied uh, out of Nairobi. 
So mm-hmm. my primary and my secondary school, I went to a town in the Nyanza region called Siaya. Mm. Uh, and then for university, I went to Eldoret to study languages. I'm a language major, an English major. Then mm. finally, I have an MBA in international business management from the University of Nairobi, which has wow. really molded my career and what I am doing now. And I suppose what I'll be doing also in the future. But why did you decide languages? Uh, this is an interesting question because uh, <laughs> maybe maybe I, I should go back uh, from where all this started. I, I'm a straight A student. I've always been, uh, I'd yes. like to say, I've <laughs> always been book smart. <laughs> I would like to think about it that way. And uh, I really wanted to be a lawyer. But uh, I lost my biological dad. I lost my biological dad at 12 years old. So his brother, my uncle, which uh, I would like to refer to as a dad because he was really a dad to me. I would like, I always tell everyone that I was lucky enough to have two dads in my life. So he had a different uh, vision and views of what I should do. And even though I had an A in school, he wanted really for me to study language because he knew immediately I finished school, he could find a space for me to work in uh, mm. government. He was um, in the parliament then. So mm. he was yeah. sure that if I finished with languages, he could find me a place to work in the Ministry of Education and uh, be able to proceed with life. Because as you know, to get a job in Kenya is not easy. But this mm. did not get to turn out the way he wanted because just before I graduated, we lost him as well. So that mm. is how, yeah, that's how I ended up in uh, studied languages. But I don't regret it for a single bit. I love it, yeah. I, no, I know you love it. And I think it yeah. has served you so, so well, especially yeah. because you ended up leaving Kenya, going to Italy and so on. But before yeah. I go to you leaving Kenya to move to Italy, yeah. just tell me a bit about growing up in Kenya. What was it like? What are the Kenyan people uh, like? And w- how would you describe Ken- Kenya to people who have not been there? No, Kenya Kenya is really the place to be. I remember growing up, I grew up, I'd, I'd not like to say the village, but I grew up in a small town. And uh, I remember all the little details from how we could come out from school. And then my mother, uh, my dad then, uh, he'd left a job in, uh, he was a top manager in an insurance company, Kenya, Kenya Insurance, but he'd mm. left his job, he took his golden handshake and he went back to farming. So in that small particular town, we used to have many friends who could come to our home to fetch water, you know, in this village context, we are the only ones who had water. And so other people would come fetch water from our home. But the thing is that when the young girls could come there, we could in turn stay for like hours playing, you know, playing ball, playing all the games and everything. So I remember it with a lot of fondness. I remember Christmas times when birds could pass in the sky and we could all say, Sikuku, to mean, Sikuku is a Swahili word to mean uh, a special day, you know. (laughs) And so it's, it's very lovely. And we could not care, you know, back at home, uh, something that I don't see here in Europe, but back at home, no one cares where, as a kid, when where you play, where you eat yes. dinner, where you eat lunch. When you mm. go to the next neighbor and they're eating lunch, you're all eating lunch at the same time. Dinner, everyone will come to your house to eat dinner <laughs> as well. So this context is really something that I love. And I really miss a lot. And also because Kenyan people are very hospitable, you know. We are very welcoming and loving and caring. 
And I think this is our main key point uh, as Kenyans. And also, we are always relaxed and chill, you know. Hakuna matata, like they say. <laughs> we just, we just chill. We are, yeah. we're very good. I'd like you to know, believe. You've been to Kenya many times. You tell me. What do you think about ah, us? It's not many times, Vida. It's only one year. <laughs> no, I only, no, went, no, I only went to one. Kenya? I, think, I think like you're always in Kenya. <laughs> I can actually hear Lorenzo crying. Is that him? Yes, that is him. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, 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 it's fine. I'm just sorry, um, but you that in Europe we don't have people to help us with the kids. So <laughs> this is how we are We're from work and we have to juggle taking care of, of him, them. doing things, doing the interview. I yes and I'm sorry yes. about it, but I think you no, should no, get No, no, don't worry. It's yeah. fine. It just as a nice yeah. touch to, to this podcast. We are all women. We're working mothers. We juggle everything. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, Vida, you left. Um, by the way, I also did experience Kenyan people exactly how you've just described them. Yeah. Uh, this is how uh, even the, the, I think I've got three friends, you, Sylvia, yeah. and Mutua, all three yeah. of you, the exactly so caring so so calm yeah. and just relaxed and and you take care of 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 i think i think kenyans take care of people who visit kenya that was my experience <laughs> of being there i just felt yes. so welcome we, so taken we do care because of. We, we want when you go out there by word of mouth that you tell people to come visit and we're very we're very accepting kenya and we're mm. very you know we're very receptive to everything mm. and this is why i think kenya is also a special business hub cultural hub for many things because we are we are ready to go with it you know we are not yeah. a conservative society per se mm. i know there are many things we still can work on as a society but we are very receptive of new things new people we are not very suspicious yeah yes. of, uh, of foreigners so i think this is something that is good as yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the, you get there and it's like caribou kenya Exactly, Karibu <laughs> Kenya. That means welcome to Kenya. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Vida. So you then left home and moved yeah. to Italy. What was Ooh, all that about? The, the most, I say, it's the most difficult thing I've ever done to date. It's the most difficult decision I've ever done to date because it was really mind. You know it. All the time I could think about it, when I knew I was going to move, every minute, every second, I was thinking about it. I was thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Am I making the right decision? Because, as you know, I mine was a little bit of a special reason. I, I've mm. never looked at myself as a girl who would, who would follow a man. But <laughs> that is what up really happened. So I had to leave Kenya because we had to make this decision to be together with my boyfriend, now my husband. Mm. And... Uh, the thing I always tell people, we had been dating for so long. We'd be dating for five years, but we'd only seen each other for 52 days. And, uh, <laughs> you were counting. This, yeah, for five years, but we counted. I literally counted. Yes, we traveled the world. We'd gone to places, but we'd only seen each other for 52 days. These are like the wow. leave days that we take from work to be together. And in total, mm. in five years, we're for 52 days. And I was like, no, if there's My going gosh. to be a future... We now have mm -hmm. to decide <laughs> on what we have to do. I must so, say, Vida, yeah, you, point that you, we, yeah. I must say that you were very patient. Yes, I yes, I was very patient. I have <laughs> to say, but I also have to give it to the fact that we were both patient. 
from my mm. end and from his end. And uh, the good thing is that uh, I worked in such a fast-paced environment, so I was always busy throughout the whole day, the whole night. He will, He's a humanitarian worker as well. He was in South Sudan in some tent somewhere, so he was also keeping himself busy, and we mm. tried to make it a... Uh, work in the most uh, difficult way possible to be together yeah wow okay yeah. well i'm really i think your story i did say <clears throat> at one point you have to write a book about your whole story i think it's very interesting every yes. time you talk you, you i actually even just hear it, it should actually be a documentary <laughs> because I, yeah, I love hearing you hearing you talk as well and you did say that ali also speaks quite a lot <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, I tell you people, and this is a secret because it's upstairs. Italian men speak. They speak so much. You know how they say that women speak a lot? Wait yeah. until you meet an yeah. Italian man. In my house, he's the one who speaks more than I do. And I'm like, really? What happened here? <laughs> what happened here? And then and then they're so they're so intimate, they're so romantic. I have to give it to him, he's so romantic, but then also intimate and intense. Mm. So there are things that we always have to be to be together. We do things together, everything together. We right now we live together, but even during the day we speak like 10, 20 times on oh phone. So it's still it's still like the first time. Since we ever met, we've spoken every single day. There's no day that we don't speak on phone or just when we're together. So I'd like to wow. say it's really my my life partner, I would say. He wow, understands me so well. Yeah. That is amazing. So yeah. so the first time you you so you before you had you had to move to Italy, obviously you had been there before. So yes. uh what when you first went to Italy, where in Italy did you go? And just tell me about that first experience. What were your thoughts about it and uh, yeah. what you went through? So I first went to Italy not so long ago. My first trip ever to Italy was in 2013. Mm. And uh, he invited me, of course, to see he, to meet his parents and see his people. And being the romantic man that he is, he took me on a 21-day trip, road trip. So mm. on this road trip, we left because we have our house in Venice. So we left uh, Venice. We traveled through the northern region. We went to Milan. We went to Bologna, we went to Florence, uh, we went to Siena, and then we our final stop was Rome before going back to Venice on a, on a road because we had the car so driving. And he really mm. wanted to show me that region of Italy, the north and the central, uh, because as you know, Italy has 20 regions. So in that trip, we went uh, through nine regions and was really the best time I have ever had like I was in awe you know I keep on mm. telling him we have to do another trip similar to that it really from that point I never thought about it that I want to live in Italy but it left me really thinking mm, will not be so bad to live here you know <laughs> <laughs> it will not be so bad to live here that was really really nice mm. but what what yeah. about it uh, what did you notice about it that was so different and that you liked what I noticed about it and this everywhere in Italy is the people, first of all. Uh, as coming from Africa, you know, we are very warm people. And mm. Italians are very, very warm and they're very loving. So that is what I noticed, first of all. They're very welcoming as well. Things have changed in the couple of years because of the political climates and everything. But mm. that's, that's aside, they're very warm people. Then the art, the history, the culture, 
I was so touched so much that three years later, after 2013, I decided to move to Rome to study the, the culture, you know, the language mm. and culture of the yeah. Italian people, because I was really moved. I'm a lover of the language. I'm a lover of art. So this I like about Italy more than anything else. Yeah. And in, in less than a year or about a year, you're already like fluent in Italian. No, I, I studied Italian for six months. And in six months, I had my C2 certificate. In wow. fact, right now, I, I, I tell my friends and everyone that I think my, my Italian is destroying my English because right now I tend to think about in Italian. I dream in Italian at times at night. <laughs> I think it's spoiling my English. I I am I would like to say I'm fluent. I understand everything. I can read, mm. I can write. I can work also because I've worked in Italian language with two companies. So mm. it took me 6 months and then it takes a lot and a lot of effort because as you know to to learn the language there are many things that uh, you have to do. I don't know if uh, I just have some few tricks I think I should tell people things to do when you want to learn a language. Mm. So, for example, you, you need to find a, a new friend. And I think this is important. If you have a friend, then you'll always have to talk to them. And you'll be amazed, like right now in the Internet, there are very many platforms. Like, for example, in, in Rome, there is a platform called friendsinrome.com. So it's a free exchange platform for languages. So, for example, Lelo, if you speak, uh, let's say Chinese, and yeah. I speak uh, yeah. Russian, you can say we can... Inter, you know, exchange. You can have a conversation for free and to learn mm. these languages <laughs> together. And I think yeah. it's a super yeah. cool thing to do. You it can do a language tandem. Yeah. And also you have to leave the language, you know, like you have to start living like an Italian. <laughs> you have to listen to the music. You have to eat the food that they eat. So these are some things that can help you in learning a language, I would say. Wow. I'm really amazed yeah. at how you've just been able to do it. And, uh, and <clears throat> I guess because also, I mean, your, 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 your man, your husband now yes. as Italian, yes. it was easier then for you because you had someone to practice with, like you said. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I, I, that's, and, it's easy. And also what's really helped, I would say it's my mother and father-in-law because, mm. uh, when we started dating, they learned English to speak to me because Are you they're serious? In the, yeah, they 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 were in the late 60s. Right now, they they never want me to say their age, so I will not say they're 70s now. But <laughs> they will kill me if they hear say their age, uh, because they they think they're young. They are young. I have to say they have a young spirit. They are young. They still go. Imagine they still go for girls and boys trips, and they go dipping in the ocean like like us. So they're young. But what made me really get interested is because they learned English a little bit to speak to me. And so for that, I also wanted to learn Italian to speak more to them. And they really helped me. Our phone conversations, we always spoke Italian throughout. And that has really helped me until day to date to to polish my Italian. Listen, I don't... I don't think I've, that's that's love that is just pure love <laughs> they literally learned english just so they could talk yes. to their daughter-in-law future daughter-in-law because yes. you're not even a daughter-in-law already yes. at the time yes but, but you see that is what has really helped also with my relocation is that they took me up as a daughter because i would tell you for for sure that without them i was not making it in europe you know mm. without my mother and my father-in-law i was not making it because they took it 
they took me as their daughter. So everything that I wanted, all the errands that I have to do, the documentation process of, of being legal in Europe, I always did it with my father-in-law. In fact, I don't call him father-in-law. I call him papa. I papa. always did it with him. Yeah. <laughs> with my mother-in-law, mama, I always do everything with her. We talk, we cook together. So mm. I would say without them, they've become really my real parents in Europe. They've wow. held my hand. Much more than my husband, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, Vida, so so tell me about uh, some of the norms or some of the traditions that um, you noticed about or that you've come to learn about um, Italians. What makes them different or what stands out about them? Italians, what stands about them is the love for food. The <laughs> love for food. And I am not kidding. I am telling you the truth, the love for food. And it drives me at times. I look at them and at times I go so crazy. I will tell you, for example, during Christmas, mm. we sit at the table at midday. We leave the table at 6 p.m. What? <laughs> Imagine six hours on the table. And also, Papa tells me that the reason why this happens is that all their deals, all the important discussions are made on the table. So mm. if you want to sign a deal, if you want to make a big move, it's all about food. It's really about food. It's incredible because even in my house, every day I have to cook a three-course meal. It kills me, Lelo. It kills me from from the starter to the first course to the second course to the third course oh my to the dessert. It really kills me. Thank God we started being on a diet, and now <laughs> now it's cut down the course. But it's food, and it won't shock you. For example, I have friends of mine that should go to their houses, and they have a menu, mm. a daily menu. Wow. You know, just for my mother my mother-in-law we arrive at her house and she asks everyone basically what will you eat and she doesn't care if you're all eating different plates she'll make all the different plates oh my gosh she'll make all the different plates i have friends of mine right now when we arrived greece they called me they asked me uh the first thing they didn't even ask you if you've settled well or anything the first thing they ask you how is the food the first thing an Italian asks you when you go, how is the food? Is the food good? Mm. I mean, can you ask me how am I doing? <laughs> but I guess, how is everything? I guess this explains no. then why uh, we love their food. Their food is really, really yeah. amazing. Yeah. No, the food is really amazing. Then the other thing is the coffee. Coffee is a religion, mm. but really a religion for them. So you, I always give this scenario. If you go to an Italian uh, cafe cafeteria in the morning in the morning you'll see them asking for different types of coffee because they have like almost 20 types of coffee so who wants to drink it in a small glass who wants to drink it with a bit of alcohol who wants to drink it with a bit of milk who wants just to drink an espresso there it's a religion and they take coffee breaks even at work i used to go crazy because the number of coffee breaks they take because they use the coffee break as well as a socializing Oh my uh, platform, God. you know, to be able to talk, to be able to know each other. So coffee is really a big deal uh, in Italy. The other thing that Italians as a people have, and this you can see in every every one of them, their mm. education system is pretty good, I have to admit. Mm. It's pretty good mm. and they're very knowledgeable and intelligent in art and culture. They really they really insist on good art and good culture. And that's why you see even most of the designers come from Italy. No? Yes. They, they create, they're really creators. 
and they can speak, you know, an Italian can sell to you a stone, you know, that, that stone <laughs> from the village. They can put nice words to it and sell it to you. So they're really good with words and the culture is amazing. Wow. These are the things that I can Italy, yeah. Okay, so, and you coming from Africa, obviously your skin color is very different from theirs. So yeah. how has how has it been? I mean, being black in Europe and you now live there and everything, like one of them, how has it been for you? Does it ever get uncomfortable? Okay, I'll speak about Italy, then I will speak about Europe in general. Okay. In Italy, I have to be honest from a personal point of view, from my own personal experience, I have never until now received any racial prejudice. Mm. Until now, I have never. And uh, also, I believe that uh, with there are people who have had bad stories, I've seen them in the media, and I'm very sorry about that. Mm. It's a big issue. We cannot say it's a big, it's a very, very big issue because with racial prejudice, it's, it really influences the way of living as, as a foreigner. At times, you're even afraid to walk the streets, mm. you know? You're even afraid to enter a shop and ask for something to buy. You're even afraid of just the little things like asking somebody for direction because you're not sure what somebody would think just because of your skin color. Mm. And uh, it helps. It helps the fact that in Italy, I've lived in big, the big cities. It helps because, you know, when you live in a big city, no one really cares, yes. you know? No, everyone has their own business. Uh, if somebody judges you, they judge you because of uh, of something else, of maybe your output at work, but never on your skin color. So I would say until now, I've had a good time in Italy. Other parts in Europe, not really, especially because uh, like now I live in a smaller island. And so in a smaller island, you, you, you're more conspicuous. People see you. And then you know that since 2016, Europe has been having a, the immigration crisis. Yes. So many people are not taking this very well. They're taking it. Uh, they, I'm told that earlier on they're very receptive of people, but now they feel threatened. You know, like when oh. when you're coming, when somebody's coming, they feel threatened that you're taking over their jobs, you're taking over their livelihood. They can no longer walk free because there are many people in the street asking for money from them. So they're not comfortable anymore in their environment. And uh, this makes it very awkward for many of us people with color. And it's something that we have to keep living with. But also I have to say in Europe, what what governments have to do and what companies have to do, they have to sensitize people more on this racism thing, because you would see, I live in an island where during Halloween, people put blackface on. Oh, my and they gosh. Really <laughs> they come to you and tell you, they, oh, I want you to look like, uh, like you, you oh know, but it comes from a genuine, yeah, it comes from a genuine point of view. And you're like, what? Like, really? No one ever tells you that yeah. is wrong. That oh. is very, very wrong. Sure. There's even a big TV program, one of the actors came in blackface i said what mm -hmm. in tv in 2019 yeah do they not read uh what what's happening in other countries are they just so focused on what's happening there and that's it because if they read they would know i mean if they read uh and they watched news i guess what's happening in like no, for example no, the I us think, I, I think we are really far behind we are not like in america some of these things you cannot do mm. so in fact me and a group of friends of mine we started a platform for now we we communicate mostly once or twice a week yeah. we we meet and we talk about the challenges that we have as being people of color in um 
where we live and in Europe. So it's a platform that wants to engage more people. And also we just use it as a platform for education to tell the, our other counterparts what is right and what is wrong. Because some of these things, they're so it's so naive to go with the blackface in this sure. era around, you know. And even, just play, the, and even come and say, oh, I wanted to look like you. Yeah, I wanted to look like you. Like, what do you mean you want to look like me? Who does this? You have to know the history of what blackface mm. means. So I, I would say there's much more that can be done. And me, as a person, mm. I will take steps to do. And as always say, all of us, we have to take the step. Mm. We have to talk about it. We don't have to remain silent about it. Mm. Any any chance you get to talk about it, talk about it so that they know. And also, this is why I like uh, your podcast, because I want more of African uh, people and people of color. Let's travel the world, you know. Mm -hmm. Let's go and show them that we are not only what they see at times in the media, you know. We have to change the narrative. We have to change the narrative and tell them, you know, even where I'm, because they all think, they all think, I know it still happens in Africa, and I know there are some people still really living in the conditions that they need help, you know, yes. that we are all, you know, the, the photos, the, I, I don't know how to say this without coming out very, <clears throat> very unempathetic, but the photos you see of the African child with the fly on the nose. Yes. With the, We're living with the animals. Yes, exactly. They all think this is Africa, but Africa has changed now. We have to change the narrative. We have to mm. travel. We have to let them know that we we are really different, that Africa is not what they think it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Thank you for, for yeah. sharing that, um, Vida. Yeah. Um, so uh, tell me a bit about Rome as a travel destination. It's actually uh, the most visited uh, city in Italy. Um, in terms of like international tourism so how as as a travel destination what what do I need to know before I come to Rome and what is like maybe your top three things that I absolutely have to do when I'm there yeah so so Rome is the most beautiful place you can ever be really because when you step immediately step into Rome and you, you step into the center I always say there is this this aroma that comes out is the aroma of souffle. Souffle, they're like the fried rice balls stuffed mm. with mozzarella, and sometimes they put minced meat inside with some tomato. And this, and this is a typical food from Rome. It's a snack. Mm. And uh, apart from that, when you're just eating this and you stand somewhere in Rome, and t- when you turn left, right, whenever you turn in Rome, Rome is like a museum. You know, mm. it's like a constant art base of art everything is so good it's majestic no wonder it's called the eternal city it's really majestic and i always tell everyone if you're coming to rome for the first time of course there are three places that you have to visit Mm -hmm. colosseo we all know that yes (laughs) and from colosseo the walk on the forum which is just around there Uh, you have to go to pantheon you have to go to the trevi fountain to make a wish You remember mm-hmm. we went to Trevi Fountain Yes, together. you took us there. Yeah. yeah. It was very yes. oh it was and actually that day was not so as cold. It was cold in the morning and yeah. then it got it got warmer during the day. Yeah. Exactly, yes. Then if you're a believer and if you're an enthusiast of religion, you can never miss to go to Vatican, you know? Mm. Yes, to Vatican. I would say the, these three things, I would say Colosseo, the Vatican, and then uh, the Trevi Pantheon. Fountain. There's this, there's the Spanish steps as yes, well. Yes. 
And of course, don't forget to get lost and try all the street food, like the street pizza. I really like it. And also sit down in restaurants and try the real Roman food, which is pasta la carbonara, Mm -hmm. which which is the real Roman food. You know, the beauty of Italy is that in all the 20 regions, each region is known for a particular food. So, for example, Rome is known for carbonara. Uh, Venice, for example, is known for alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, you know, spritz, Venice spritz, Milan, they are known for risotto, uh, Bologna, Bologna, which is a very good city. Next time, Lelo, you come to Italy. I would love Bologna. to. Bologna, they are known been, for, it's on my list. Yeah. I would love to. Yeah, it's very nice. They are known for uh, Totellini. Florence, Florence is known for the Florentine steak. I actually did have that steak when we were in, in Florence. Yeah, it, it's all big. It's all big and low, but when you go to Florence, you have to go to this particular place. Uh, it's called Dario Cecchini's restaurant. He he exports meat from Florence to like uh, Elvis uh, in UK, to Prince Charles in UK. And uh, he's, he's really, really good. His Florentine steak is very good. So each and every region in Italy has has a particular dish that they're yeah. known for. There's a there's a place that Dinero and I went to in Florence to have steak. I don't know if it's that place. What I remember about it, it was very expensive. I think we paid like fifty euros for the meal. So it could have been that place you're talking about. Yeah. I don't remember. I I think it, I think it's that it's mm. the place. Yeah, it's the place. It's it's a very beautiful. But for the experience, you know, when you go for the experience and it's rated highly and the meat is really really good, especially if you can eat that. That medium yes. rare, it's really good. Okay, and yeah. then the one thing that you told me before I came to Rome yeah. was flat, yes. comfortable walking shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Please, anyone listening, do not come to Italy with your heels. First, first of all, because you will be out mm-hmm. of place. You will really be out of place. No one there wears high heels. And Rome specifically, the roads they're made to, they're made of the Saint Peter's uh, Square mm. stones, and you cannot wear high heels because you'll keep on sticking mm. on the holes. Plus, in Rome, people walk a lot, especially if you're there for three days or one week. You want to live the street life. You want to do things around the street. You walk. You really walk because, as you know, Lelo, if you remember very well, na- transportation in Rome does not no, function at all. No, we were walking everywhere. Yes, the bus system does not function. The taxis are way too expensive. So if you can take a taxi, please look at your bank <laughs> account and uh, keep some money and save for that to make sure you take a taxi. Metro works, but then in the metro, you're all packed like a sausage, sausage in the park, you know. It's so full. It's so full. So I would say if you're coming to Italy, please, please, please carry mm. flat shoes comfortable now i i absolutely agree with you after having experienced it i think uh, how many times did i come there i think i came there three or four times definitely no rome at some point at some point rome was your home (laughs) you really you were coming there every other time you love rome so i'm sure you'll even come more many many more times i just need to learn italian so i need to i need to yeah yes i will teach you italian (laughs) the basics what to tell somebody special. I'll okay, thank you. you. <laughs> I want to tell somebody special. <laughs> wow, okay. Thank you, yes. Lida. <laughs> um, yes. So tell me yes. a bit about Venice. I heard the people who live 
in Venice? Because you said you guys have a home in Venice. Uh, your your parents-in-law are also yes, in yes. Venice, right? Um, so I'm hearing that a lot of people are actually leave, leaving their residence, are leaving Venice because there's excessive tourism. Yes. It's 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 actually yeah. a. Um, a, a, a conundrum because it's an in, it's a city that relies heavily on tourism to survive. However, yes, this yes. The, the success of this tourism trade is now also destroying the city in a way. Uh, do you know anything yeah. about that? Yes, I do know. You're very right. You're very right. And many people now who live in Venice, they're they're leaving to go to maybe other towns that are thirty minutes away or one hour away to live because it's become very unbearable fast because of um, pollution and this as everyone please when you visit venice try as much as possible to be environmental sensitive be very sensitive to the environment do not throw things people are, people are throwing littering mm-hmm. into into the water you know venice is a unique yes. city because it's the only city in the world that stands mm-hmm. in water so so people should we should be very environmental sensitive there was a, an exhibition done very very good exhibition where they were like hands crawling from the water and um, creeping on the wall to show what 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 the effects that tourism or people who are not environmental sensitive are doing to venice and uh, it's, yeah it's become very unbearable because <laughs> you know if you visit venice even just walk in the small streets is difficult because you, you keep on knocking yes, on each other yes. there's so many people so what has happened in the past i think past one year they've now introduced attacks uh, oh yes i saw the tourist tourist text yes Yes, yeah. they've introduced a tax. I think it's 10 euros, 10 euros and entry fee. And I think they've introduced this. There was a big debate uh, around it. This was to just reduce the number of people coming. I don't think people will stop coming because of 10 euros. <laughs> no, exactly. People will not because because Venice is a very yes. beautiful, romantic place. And if you set your mind that you want to go to Venice, I don't think 10 euros no, will stop no. you from going to Venice but I heard, I heard that the the city is also sinking. Is it true? Uh, this is uh, is being said that it will not be there for some time. Unfortunately, it will, so if you really want to visit Venice in this century, this is a century to mm. visit it. We don't know how true this is, but because there is climate change and there is rising mm. waters, this might be true. Because you see what happens uh, what happens during flooding. I remember, did I send you a photo also of how, what happens during flooding? I saw there that, was... Uh, the water, all to, all to the square, all to the, all to the main square, uh, water oh. levels are very high. So this, the, the sea is rising and maybe, mm. maybe, maybe it will be... Wow. To okay, not be there. for long. Yeah. Okay, but, so if I... If um because if I'm coming to Venice, so what you're asking for, just be environmentally friendly. Um and also what yes. what else is there for uh for, for tourists? Um I know besides riding the gondolas, that's definitely something yeah. that I didn't besides, do last time because I yes, didn't have so, the fifty euros that it needed. Yeah. <laughs> really? No, you have to go when when you when you go with uh you have to go with a group of friends, yes. maybe. Or even Really, by the time you come to Europe, you can spend some 80 euros. You know, it's 80 euros to ride a gondola. I wasn't going to pay it alone. I was like, no. 
Yeah, you're going to stay alone, yes. So if you're with people, you can yeah. share that price. And something interesting about the gondola, maybe I'll just give you a little bit of background. You know, to be a rider, to be the person, the captain of the gondola, it's something that is passed from family after family. So, And it's a prestigious really? thing to do. It's very prestigious. Not everyone yeah. can be, yeah, not everyone can be a gondola captain. It's a prestigious thing that is only passed from family to family, and it's only sons, that the first sons that can wow. do it. Wow. Yeah. So it's something that is, uh, in fact, they they have a special organization just to make sure that they keep the heritage and everything. But apart from that, the things to do in Venice, Venice is full of mm. art, very full of yeah. art. And uh, I remember once uh, going, the one of the first time, the Ducal Palace, which is beautiful and amazing. You really have to go visit. The only problem is a little bit expensive. I remember it was, was it 24 euros to enter? And that's a little bit expensive because if you have to do many other things. What is this, Vida? Ducal Palace. It's the Ducal Palace. It's the, it's the main palace. Yeah. It's the main, main, main palace there. And it's beautiful. It has beautiful art. My husband always tells me that uh, he had uh, the disease of art. It's called Stendhal Syndrome. Stendhal Syndrome, you know, when, when you see beautiful art and you feel like fainting. <laughs> That is the first time he realized that wow. he has that, a standard syndrome. Because when you go to the Ducal, it takes you by wow. breath, you know, like really, really, it's beautiful. And you see all the history. Then you get lost in Venice. You can get lost in the small roads. Uh, you can visit the Aquadotti library. It's a library that has been there from ages and everything is made of books, like even the walls, the stairs, books. It's very beautiful. Wow. And, uh, there is there is something that my my husband always tells me about, which uh, it is in his fantasy world. This is also another thing that you have to know. When you visit Italy, they have all the fantasies mm. and everything. You know the stories of the unicorn. I know many many people love yes. unicorns. Many ladies love unicorns. Children love unicorns. And uh, where the story arises in the ancient <clears throat> ancient Venetian times, you know people from Venice were known as very good med medicine medical ah. people. No, because when the the plaque the the time when there was the plug, most of the doctors from Venice are the ones that treated plug. The unicorn, the story of the unicorn is that they used to go up in the north and fish. Uh, fish. There's this fish that has a, a horn like the unicorn, and they could yeah. come back and mix it with opium and give people this medicine. And this medicine was supposed to treat all diseases and bring wow. you luck in the world. And so people from all over the world used to come to to get this. Oh medicine. wow! It's all fantastic. <laughs> It's all fantasy. I will take you to that yes, exact please. spot where they used to do the medicine. <laughs> But it's all fantasy. But listen, listen, Vida. I wanna, I wanna ask you something now because you said I absolutely have to do Bologna, and I saw how you took us around uh, Rome. You, you were taking us to all these places that we otherwise would not have been had we just been on our own. You were telling us the history of everything. You took us to where they were making pasta. We could see this lady making pasta and then we had uh, food there. So I'm only going to Bologna if you're taking me. Oh, okay. I will take you. <laughs> I will take you so that we go to the tower. It's very beautiful. And then it's it's a university feeling because Bologna is one of the other biggest cities in Italy. And the, the big universities, there are many. It's more business also. Many businesses have their their headquarters, where, you know. Where is the, so, the Tower of Pisa? It, is it, what is it called? 
No, the Savoy of Pizza is in uh, is in in Kian, in Florence re- oh, region. That is in a different okay. place. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but just to go back to the lady making uh, making pasta and everything. If you are ever in Rome, you should visit. Or uh, what? What if I can remember the name. The, the name? Oh, Osteria della, Fo- della Fortuna in Campo di Fiori. They really have good pasta. <laughs> really, really good pasta, and you can see the grandmother rolling the pasta, homemade pasta. It's wow. amazing. Okay, really. so. I will repeat. It's called Osteria del. Okay, cool. You must send me. You must so send me the name via WhatsApp, and then I'll put it on the description. But actually, I think yes. just give me all the the maybe three re- restaurants that you would recommend in Rome for people that are visiting, and then I can just add them in the description for 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 our <laughs> listeners. But before we go, Vida, no. I just yes. want to ask yes. you quickly: um, What's your favorite city in the whole world, and why? Oh, this this is easy, and I'm sorry I'm being biased, but Nairobi, <laughs> it is. I'm sorry I'm being biased, but Nairobi it is because there are many things. I I look at this at it from this angle as a business hub. It's more central. You you can take four hours to South of Africa, four hours to West mm. of Africa, four hours to Europe. We have a direct flight to America as a as a touring place. You, when you go to Nairobi, one hour away to the best beaches mm-hmm. in the world in Kenya, I believe we have just one hour away by flight. So I believe it's really, really central. I'm sorry. And then we are very mm-hmm. unique because we are the only mm-hmm. city in the world with a national park in wow. the city. So I think this this is unique of us. And I think we are among those Cities that are okay. unique. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. No, but I have to tell you something yes. just to close about yes. Rome. If Rome, apart from seeing just the, the places that everyone sees, please visit also Rome underground. There are many things underground. You know, we're always, always just visiting places mm. above ground, but Rome is also known for having a great life underground. So you can see the catacombs, you can see the crypts. I don't know there, that. There's a whole new. History and culture, yes, yes. So the next time we're in Rome, we're not doing above the ground, Lelo. We have to do Oh, wow. Okay, now I have to come to Rome. There is a whole new life. Yes, there is a whole new life under the ground that takes you back into years, you know, years, years back. You can you can ima- imagine uh, the great Caesar with his horse <laughs> in those times. Okay, okay definitely on my list. Yeah. Maybe I can do Rome and Bologna um, same time. Exactly, <laughs> and south of Italy, you have I to visit south to. of oh, Italy. Gosh. Too. There's so many places yeah. to go to, too little time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. thank you so so much. Okay. Please thank Lorenzo for giving allowing mommy to talk to me for a whole hour. <laughs> I I will, I will. He tried, but I heard uh, he was crying a little bit. <laughs> All right, so thank much. you so much. It's Bida. okay. This is the life. <laughs> thank you. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was nice. And uh, let's talk more. Yes, we will. Thanks, Vida. Bye-bye. So that was my conversation with Vida. I hope you guys enjoyed it. For any further questions or feedback or comment, please send me a tweet at Miss Lelobi or hashtag Chica Travel Pod. Thank you so much. We shall chat again next week. Goodbye.